At the beginning of this year, the very first Sunday in January, I had an extra loaf of warm, freshly baked French bread, and my dear friend Amy popped into my mind when I thought of who I could deliver it to. So I ran it over to her house and gave her a quick hug as I handed it off while she welcomed a couple of young missionaries into her home for dinner. Amy loves to host people and make people dinner, and she's made us many, many dinners. The very next day, I received a text that absolutely gutted me. Amy had been in the ER later Sunday night with her nine-year-old son, Crew, and Monday, she was in the hospital with him waiting to find out if he had cancer. Crew was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma, an extremely rare bone cancer in his femur. I've witnessed Amy and her family turn to faith, lean into the grace of the Savior and the healing in his atonement, and selflessly share their miracles with our community as they've seen Crew through this horrible trial. Recently, Amy posted on Instagram that it was her goal to bring awareness to as many people as possible what the signs are of childhood bone cancer. Amy agreed to come on my podcast to talk about what she's learned through all of this, teach us about the symptoms to pay attention to that could be bone cancer in a child. She also teaches what this life-altering experience has been like for her family, what she wishes she would have known, what to do best to support a family going through chemo what not to say, and some of the miracles that have strengthened their faith in Jesus Christ. All right, I am here today with one of my favorite people in the whole entire world, Amy Willits, and she is a dear friend of mine and a warrior. She is a cancer mom and what the heck? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going to start crying in the first 15 seconds. <laughs> no, stop. I just love her so cry. much. And it is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And Amy has been through it this year. So I'm super grateful that she is willing to come take the time to talk to me about her sweet son crew and what they've been through together as a family. So Amy, so grateful that you're here today with me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay. So let's start just by giving a little snapshot of like what life was like right before all of this started and <laughs> you and your husband and your kids and just kind of what family okay. life looks like for you guys. Okay. Gosh, very normal. Mm-hmm. Our kids were in sports. Our daughter was on a soccer team. Our son crew was playing flag football. He was just getting into his basketball season. He had been going to practices a couple days a week. He he loved riding his scooter and he would go to the skate park and meet his friends. He had a little more freedom than I wanted him to. <laughs> um, he would, his favorite thing was to go to the skate park, scooter around with his friends, go back and forth to his friends' houses for snacks and drinks. And yeah, that was just kind of our life. We just, you know, pretty carefree, just, yeah, playing with friends and yeah. yeah. And so crew was nine last year, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. 10 now. 10 now. Yeah. Okay. So when did you start wondering what was going on with him? Like what was the very first sign of something was a little bit off? Well, he had been complaining of a pain in his leg for months. I can't even pinpoint when it started. Even when I look back and try to remember, I can't because it, it was so intermittent. It would happen he would complain of his leg hurting and then usually always at night, hmm. most of the time at night. And then by the next day, he'd be fine. So I just brushed it off for a long time thinking that it was growing pains. Totally. Because, most moms would think yeah. that. Yeah. And he had had growing pains. He was, gosh, about five years old and we were boarding. We were, <laughs> we were in Hawaii and we were coming back. We were at the airport And when we got to the airport, he was, well, actually, right before we left the hotel, he was complaining that his leg was hurting. Mm -hmm. His legs. At this time, it was both of his legs that they were hurting. And by the time we got to the airport, he was crying. He couldn't walk. We went as far as getting him a wheelchair through the airport. It was the most bizarre thing. And by the time we landed back in California, he was fine. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So we thought, okay, growing pains. Yeah. And it happened a couple other times, but this was different in that it was just one leg. And so I would say after, you know, several episodes of this, maybe four months or so of it, five months even of it coming back, I started to look on my phone at night. I started to Google, you know, leg pain in a child, Mm -hmm. one leg, upper leg pain, and everything kept pointing to growing pains. 
And I thought, well, it's just one leg though. And it would say, well, growing pains typically occurs in both legs, but it can occur in one. So I would kind of breathe a sigh of relief and go, okay, that's what it is. Yeah. And then leave it alone, thinking that it wouldn't come back again. Mm -hmm. So where, so where did it change? What happened? So gosh, about, it was October. We had just, we had been out of town and he had had, we had a very trusted sitter stay with our kids while we were gone. And he had a flag football game that weekend that Mm -hmm. he missed. He, his leg hurt him too bad. Mm-hmm. And his, his, the sitter, who's you know, a good friend of mine, she said, you know, he was really complaining about his leg. And crew goes, see, mom, I told you, I told <laughs> you that I wasn't faking. And I said, bud, I didn't think you were faking it. I believe that your leg hurts. Yeah. I just don't think there's anything we can do about it. And so after that, I, I mean, that week, I made him an appointment with a pediatrician, just our local office up here, our primary care doctor took him up there and he examined him for quite a while. I'd say 30 minutes. Mm. He felt his leg. He had him, you know, remove his pants and he looked at it. He felt it. He had him move it. He had him stand on it, hop on it, everything. And at the end, he told me, he's fine. Here's a number for his physical therapist. And there you go. And I said, so you don't think he needs x-rays? And he said, no, no, he's fine. Mm. And so we went on our way. And then, so that was the beginning of October. Then the end of November, it started hurting again. I remember very specifically because my family was visiting for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And we have this yearly tradition. We take the kids, you know, with their, my children, with their cousin to get pictures taken with Santa, the mall. And I remember walking into the mall for pictures and he was having a hard time. He was limping. It hurt really bad. And even when they were sitting with Santa, he had a hard time sitting up straight. And I kept saying, crew, can't you just sit up? Just just tough it out, just for the picture. Yeah. He's like, mom, I can't. It hurts. And I just thought, gosh, this is the weirdest thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So we went back home. A couple days later, it was gone. But now he was limping. So we went, this is really weird. And we kept thinking, you know, he really needs an x-ray. Yeah. yeah. But then at the like back maybe of my- he got injured at one yes, point and it yes. wasn't detected or so something. So that's what I thought. He kept telling me that it happened back in March, right before everything got locked down. He was playing in a baseball game and the, there was a fly ball that hit his right, his right leg. Mm-hmm. And he's like, mom, it's been hurting ever since then. So I thought, okay, well, maybe there's something to that. Maybe he has a little, a little stress fracture. There's a little bone crack, something that didn't get to heal. Yeah. Correctly. So, yeah. So we just, so let's see here. So we're in November. That was, and it, we're in December at this point. He's limping, but the pain's gone. It's mostly gone, but he still's walking with a little bit of a limp. Yeah. And we just thought that is so weird. He should not be limping. So again, a few weeks later, he, thank goodness he did this. He jumped off of four stairs onto some tile. Mm-hmm. And that, that was that was it. After that, it hurt him so bad for two days, two days straight. And you know, and it, it seemed to always fall on a weekend. So Weird. I would never just take him to the doctor because it was the weekend, and by Monday he'd be fine. Right? Because you don't want to. You're like, okay, we're gonna go sit in Instacare for three hours just yes. to have someone tell you there's nothing wrong. Go home. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So this was Sunday, and he had heard it Friday night. It still hurt him Saturday. Saturday night, he came in our room and woke us up three times. Wow. And, yeah. And we kept giving him Tylenol for the pain, and that helped. But as soon as it wore off, he was back in our room. Mm. And all the next day, he just he just laid there. He couldn't, he couldn't walk. So my husband actually took him to the urgent care that morning. And the urgent care took x-rays. Mm. Well, my husband took him there for x-rays. He said, we, he needs to get an x-ray. And he came away from that and they said, well, there's some small abnormal cell growth. You should, you should call an orthopedic like tomorrow. We said, okay. And then we still didn't think anything crazy is cancer. Yeah. You know? And uh, anyway, that night, the rest of that day, he just sat around and I just, I just had this thought. I'm like, he's got to go to the ER tonight. I cannot, this cannot wait till tomorrow. 
Yeah. And so that was, we were, you know, getting the kids ready for bed and he was just, he was in so much pain. And I just said, okay, we're, go- we're going to the ER. This has to happen. And he kept telling me, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. He was terrified that he was going to get a shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I told him, you're not going to get any shots, but they're just going to take some x-rays. They're going to figure out what's going on. You probably just have a little break in your bone or something. It's not going to be a big deal. So we left for the ER. Do you want me to keep telling this part? Okay. So we left for the ER and we got there and, you know, we, I gave him Tylenol right before we left. And by the time we got there, he was fine. I mean, the nurses are like, he's just sitting there like, okay, now what's the problem? I said, his leg hurts really bad, you know? And they said, okay, well, what's your pain level at right now? And meanwhile, he's distracted on his little video game. He goes, it's a three or on a scale from one to 10, it's a three. (laughs) <laughs> and they kind of look at me and I'm like, no, I promise it was really hurting earlier. Yeah. Um, I said, he he needs some x-rays or something. We took him to urgent care today. This is what they said. And they said, okay, okay. So they admitted him. And, you know, after an hour and a half or two, the pain came back. And he was in a lot of pain. So, you know, after me telling him that he was not going to be getting any shots, they came in and gave him a shot of morphine to his arm. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that worked for a couple of hours. You know, the ER doctor came in and, you know, said, we're going to do some more x-rays. We have to do x-rays here. And he took the x-rays. And, you know, once he had the results back, he pulled me out of the room and he said, this looks like Ewing sarcoma to me. I'm going to be on the phone with Chalk. I'm trying to get him admitted there. And I was like, what? What is Ewing sarcoma? Like, yeah. Is that serious? Yeah. <laughs> and so I go and I Google it. And I mean, well, he told me, he says, you know, it's it's cancer. And I, he said, it's either that or osteosarcoma, which both are rare. Ewing sarcoma is extremely rare. So we go, I go back into the room. I'm Googling what these are. I called my husband. We're both looking them up and our hearts just dropped. I mean, they're not the good cancer. Yeah. They're the bad, scary, aggressive cancer. And so from then on, from there, he got transferred to chalk that night. He was in a CT scan a few hours later where they just got a better look mm-hmm. at the mass in his leg. It was a 13 centimeter tumor. I had 13 centimeters, I think by four centimeters it was huge, huge. And yeah, it just, and then it just all exploded from there. And you said in your, because you wrote like a journal entry recently that I read that you said like his, it was like breaking his leg from the inside yes. out and that's where all the pain was coming from. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I can't even imagine. So, and while you're going through this too, he's still in pain, right? Yes. So the pain, yes. And it was weird because it would come and go and, you know, they were giving him pain meds. And so I was at the hospital with him Sunday and then Monday. And I feel like I went home. Sometime Monday afternoon, and my mm-hmm. husband traded me and was there with him the rest of Monday, part of Tuesday. And he was just happy and chipper and fine. Mom, my leg doesn't hurt anymore. And, you know, his nurse said, yeah, we took several laps today. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that's good, you know. And Maybe it w- it's not going to be that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I thought he wasn't – and it wasn't from the pain meds. He, he didn't need them. He was feeling great. So it, it, this is why I kept missing it. Because if it's serious, if it's cancer, he's going to keep hurting. Yeah. Yeah. It should be persistent and yes. not go away. Yeah. Yeah. So, gosh, this is just so crazy. So you've talked a lot about wanting to be an advocate for moms and for parents, any you know, yeah. mom or dad, about, you know, knowing, like, what the signs are, when you feel like you know, you should look into something versus feeling like, you know, every little, every, like, yes. you don't want to be like, also feel like crazy paranoid, but what do you feel like you wish you would have known before all of this? Oh, wow. So much that pain in one limb is not normal. Okay. You know, I, I would Google and I would, you know, look it up. And I remember, I remember finding something one night that took my breath away. It alerted me and I, I couldn't fall back asleep. And I went, oh, no, this could be something more serious. Because mm-hmm. there were – I didn't just brush it aside. I mean, I lay in bed at night a handful of times, number of times, trying to figure out what this was. Was it something more than growing pains? 
And so this one night, and I don't even remember what I saw, but I remember I couldn't fall back asleep. And I thought, I can't wait, wait till morning to call the doctor. So I picked my phone back up and I started looking, looking more. And until I saw something that gave me some relief and I went, oh, okay, it's just growing pains. Yeah. Because it, it can't, because he didn't have any other signs. I think that's what I want people to realize. Every, all of the signs of something more serious, they say, you know, the bone pain, which mm-hmm. is hard to pinpoint. When I took him to the pediatrician, he couldn't even pinpoint where it was. He asked him, okay, crew, where does it hurt? And he said, well, it's over here like on the side of his the side of his leg. Mm-hmm. So, but then, I don't know, it's kind of over here too. He couldn't pinpoint it. Yeah. And that is a clear indication of bone pain. Like knowing there's pain, but you can't really say exactly where it is. Yeah. There, to go back, to touch on that a little bit more, I just as I've been, you know, reading and studying this and seeing what other people's experience has been, there is a grown, grown adult in his late 30s who had the same thing as crew, Ewing sarcoma of the right femur. And he couldn't even pinpoint his pain. He had had x-rays of his hips, of his back, until finally they took an x-ray of his leg. So wow. even so I'm going, okay, even if a grown adult can't right. even pinpoint it, how is a child supposed to know? Right. You know, so I think so that they don't have to have fevers. They don't have to be tired. His leg wasn't swollen. And he had skinny little legs. Yeah. I mean, I thought, you know, I would have seen something, but being encapsulated inside of a bone, it's not going to show. Wow. Yeah. So his blood work came back great when we were at the ER. The doctor. That's, that was going to be yeah. my next question because I feel like they'll say like, oh, it's always, isn't it a white blood cell count? Yes. It's always going to be high if uh-huh. there's cancer. Yep. Nope. His, wow. bl- everything looked great. When we were at the ER, the, the doctor told me that night, he said, well, you know, his blood tests look really good. So that's a good sign. And I guess maybe that's a good sign that it hadn't spread, that it hadn't yeah. reached, you know, other parts of his body. I don't know when... With this cancer, when those numbers would go up or down or whatever, I don't know what that would that would look like. But all I know is his blood work looked great, and he had a scary, aggressive cancer eating his leg from the inside out. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. So then after that, you still did some advocating for crew, right? Because there were complications with like his. Pain and yes. starting chemo and things like that where you guys really had to – I've always been really impressed how you have looked out for – not just taken – I guess not uh, every parent is looking out for their child. But yeah. I feel like sometimes we just – if a doctor or someone who's qualified mm-hmm. tells us something, you just take it and you're like, I guess this is – I guess yep. this is it. This, this is just the way it's going to be. And totally. I feel like you guys have really been willing to kind of push for things that your kid needs. So – Can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think as a parent, yeah, you you trust doctors. And doctors are good and they're, but they're still, they're practicing medicine, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, his doctor, when I actually called his doctor when I found out, or, you know, after Crew was diagnosed, the doctor who had examined him. And he said he just about fell out of his chair. Wow. So, you know, it's just, yeah, they just, there's things that get missed, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, just advocating for crew, it's, oh, he was, yeah, that was hard. There was, there was a point in the hospital when, after they had taken the biopsy of, of the tumor. So they, you know, stick a needle all the way down in there and take some of that tissue out. And when he came out of that, he was in excruciating pain, pain we could not get under control for days. Mm-hmm. And he kept maxing out on the pain medication. And I think this may be what you're talking about. His nurse pulled me aside and said, you know, I'm just wondering, do you think he's maybe just having anxiety? And that's why that's why he wants, you know, because he was, I mean, he was crying, screaming in pain after, you know, two hours of getting his pain medication and he wouldn't be able to get more for two more hours. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm sure he has some anxiety going on he's in a hospital and yeah. all this. I said, but no, he's having pain. Like we need to figure, we need to figure this out. Right. And even looking back now, I mean, I wish I had been more aggressive and assertive then because it finally, finally took a nurse who was just more experienced. She came in 
she she had just it was a new nurse the next day she had given crew his pain medication and you know when he should not have been in pain again he was and she finally said okay i think i know what's going on here and got him on a pain drip which completely changed everything he wow. yeah never never had pain again and it's like ever <laughs> that's amazing yeah. seriously so amazing and then there were there was a point too where that kind of happened with his chemo too right yes oh yeah he um they they had told us that one of the drugs one of the side effects was wasabi nose where it would just burn burn your nose it feels like you know you've eaten too much wasabi that sounds horrible yeah <laughs> so sure enough he's getting his this was his the first day of his infusion and they infuse the other two drugs first and this was the last one and he just started screaming my nose burns my nose burns and you know i'm flying out of there pushing the buttons get, we need a nurse in here now we need someone now like and um they said oh oh okay they slowed down the infusion and that seemed to help and then you know they always have little tricks and stuff for it but that was that was rough <laughs> but you guys found a a better way too of like from then on wasn't that i think you said that that was kind of the yeah. one and only time that that yes. happened and then they were able to figure out how to prevent yes. that right so well no actually so we started off at one hospital yeah and they were that's where he was diagnosed and everything but then we found an oncologist who specializes in this cancer that's very rare and he you know was only an hour further away so we had his care transferred and it just seemed like the nurses there knew knew this chemo better mm -hmm. and knew how to treat the side effects proactively so he never had that problem again when i told them about it they had never even heard of it happening so i think maybe the difference was was that they infused the chemo slower and yeah he just he never had it again Wow. Yeah. So I, I want to back up to a little bit. So you guys got that diagnosis and then what was the, what was the, what's the game plan after that? Okay. So we got the diagnosis and then the game plan was three, three to four months of chemo every two weeks, every two weeks. Some days he would go in, he would check in every other Monday for chemo. Some, he would alternate between five day, five days of chemo and then two days of chemo. And it didn't matter how long the chemo was for. It was just a check-in every other Monday. So sometimes he'd get a week off and sometimes mm -hmm. he'd get almost, almost two weeks off. So, so the game plan was to do that for three to four months. And then he would get a two-week break for surgery to remove the tumor and save his leg. Yeah. And then he would get another two weeks after surgery for the wound to heal enough because the chemo just slows the healing so much. So he would get another two weeks off of chemo post-surgery and then resume chemo again for another four, four or five months. I don't even know how long we've been in it anymore. Yeah. Feels like an eternity yeah. probably. Yes, it does. <laughs> and tomorrow's the last one. Yes, tomorrow's so his last incredible. one. It's so amazing. So I have been so impressed by the way that you and Adam have and your whole family has taken this and just like le really leaned into faith and really leaned into asking other people for help and asking other, not just for meals, but mm -hmm. for really specific prayers and for people yeah. to have faith that these treatments would work and that everything was going to work out. So if you're okay with it, I would love to talk about some of the miracles that you guys have shared on your blog and on, um, you know, you've shared them like with, with our church congregation. It's just yeah. been really, really incredible. And today, actually, we were in, I'm in the Young Women's Organization with the 13 and 14-year-old girls, and we were talking about how adversity can teach you things and strengthen your testimony. And we talked about you guys, about how it's been mm -hmm. so inspiring to see you guys go through something really hard, but choose to lean into faith and and to you know really lean on the Savior and ask other people to kind of partake in that with you and for just to watch like collective faith of people coming together for this, you know, greater cause. And so, so yeah, if you're willing to, I'd love yeah, to talk sure. about some of those experiences yes. you guys have had. Yes. Wow. I mean, where to even begin? I just, <clears throat> I feel like, gosh, I don't know how people do this without faith. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. 
I mean, it's our faith in the Savior and His healing power has really, really just helped me through. There were, I I don't know if if I'm going to say this right, but I remember praying and telling Heavenly Father, like, I know, and I knew it. I knew that if Christ was right here, that I could I could touch his robe and crew would be healed. If I could just bring crew to him physically, that he could he could touch crew and it would all be fine. And I said, I know, I know he's not here, but please, like, I believe in his healing power. If he could just touch crew through his spirit, I know it can heal him. And I mean, we've seen, wow, just so, so many things. So I think one of the biggest miracles has been his surgery. Yeah. That was so incredible to hear about. So yeah, I'd love for you to share that. So his surgery was extremely complicated. It was 16 hours long. The plan was to remove half of his femur. So the tumor, you know, was in the upper half of his femur. So the plan was remove the diseased bone Mm -hmm. and then use, find a cadaver bone that that matched the same size as Cruz bone Mm -hmm. and really the upper part. And, and then remove his fibula, which is the bone in your lower leg that helps with balance. So re- you don't really need it. You can, you can be fine without it. Mm-hmm. So remove the fibula, but leave enough of the fibula at the top and of the bottom for balance and ankle function. And then insert that vascularized kind of inside of the cadaver bone. So the cadaver, they call it a hot dog method. The cadaver bone is the bun and the fibula is like the hot dog and, or the dog. (laughs) (laughs) And then the hope is that the fibula grows into what's remaining of the femur at the top and the bottom. And over time, it grows stronger and is his, his new femur, his bone. Yeah. And then he won't need any more surgeries. And yeah, so that was what we went with. Prosthetic being at such a young age and he would be growing would require several more surgeries, much higher risk for infection. So the surgery was huge. So I just wanted to like, so you could kind of understand where, you know, how big this was. Um, They needed two teams to perform the surgery, an orthopedic and a vascular team to the vascular team to remove the fibula and then connect all the veins and vascularize it. So after, you know, after the surgery, his his surgeon just, you know, well, he kept calling up. We got phone calls every two to three hours during the surgery and they kept saying, everything's going great. It's all looking good. And we heard from his surgeon that evening and he said the surgery could not have gone more beautifully. And of course, we just, we thought, well, there's our miracle. The surgery went perfectly. It just, it couldn't have gone better. Yeah. And then we found out why. His surgeon told us the next day when he came in to check on crew that he had been in touch with one other surgical team out of New York that has performed the surgery on children. And he, he said that they use wire to connect all the bones and everything, but he didn't want to use wire because he just didn't think that it would be strong enough. So he said, I thought that if we could get one screw in there, that, you know, that we'd be lucky. And then we got two screws in and we thought we had hit a home run. And then we got the third screw in. So, I mean, that's, it's just huge because it helps with stability and growth and just keeping everything in place while he's healing. Because while he's on chemotherapy, he's got, you know, he had four more months of chemotherapy and there's no bone growth during that time. Yeah. So those screws, I think, have just been <laughs> a game changer in helping keep his legs stable while he heals. Yeah. Yeah. I remember just being on literally on the edge of my seat all day, just <laughs> waiting and waiting for those texts and texting our other friends, mm-hmm. like, have you heard anything? And we were just, we were praying so hard. How did you know to ask people specifically? Because you asked us specifically mm-hmm to pray that the surgery would go perfectly. And I kind of was like, wow, that's ballsy. (laughs) It's ballsy, Amy. You're going to ask us to pray that this goes perfectly, but okay, we'll do it. You know, we'll do whatever, you know, whatever you need, we'll do it. And it, and I was just like, oh my gosh, it went perfectly. Just like you asked, where did that come from? You know, I can't remember when I learned to pray for specific prayers, but I don't know. I think 
but that thought has always been in my mind. Pray for specifics. Mm -hmm. And so when we were faced with this, I knew we were going to need miracles, lots Mm -hmm. of them. Yeah. But, but what kept coming to my mind was he's the God of miracles. Like, of course he can do this. Like, why not ask for it? Yeah. You know? And there was this point backing up to the hospital where he was in that excruciating pain and the nurses couldn't get it under control. And I kept praying. We were praying like for the, for the pain to stop. And sometimes, sometimes it would stop, but I felt like this one time when it had gotten so bad, like my prayers weren't enough. And not that our prayers aren't ever, but I just thought, I need more prayers on this kid. I need more. And I sent as many texts out as I could while I'm still trying to comfort him. I just copied and pasted to as the largest group text I had going at the time and just said, please stop what you're doing right now and pray for him that this pain will stop. And within 10 minutes, they finally figured it out. So I, I just, everything just kept building on each other. And I thought all I could think of was when, when we were in the hospital waiting for the diagnosis, waiting to find out if it had spread. I need as many prayers on this kid as possible. Yeah. And I just, I, anybody I could think of who was of faith, even if they weren't, just send, send your good vibes, you know? Yeah. You know, if you can pray, I, just whatever you can do. And, and it moved mountains. It did. I mean, there's, looking back, I think, my goodness, this, this cancer had to have been in there for a year. And that it hadn't spread is an absolute miracle. And when I he was an active little kid, right? Yes. Well, that it hadn't spread and that it hadn't his leg hadn't broken. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Sorry. No, no, no. Anyone who's listening doesn't really have that context, but let's talk about why that also was a miracle that it hadn't broken and spread. Yes. Sorry, I know that in my head. Yeah, no. People listening don't know. So a lot of times the cancer is found because you can either see a mass Mm -hmm. or the limb has broken. So one of his nurses told me when I was telling her, my gosh, how did we, how did we win the jackpot of like the worst thing possible? I can't ever win the lottery, but (laughs) not that I play the lottery, but if something, you know, anyway, like, why did we get the, one of the most horrible cancers? Right. And, you know, she said, actually, you are really lucky. She said, because I hardly ever see kids come in here where it hasn't already spread or their bone hasn't already broken. And I took a step back and I went, wow, wow, he's really been watching over crew. So, I mean, he was so active. Like I said, he was in doing flag football, basketball, baseball. He told me, I mean, this was just a couple of months ago. And looking back, I I remember this happening. He was, you know, at the end of baseball season, right before everything got shut down for the for COVID, and he um he wouldn't slide into base. And everybody kept yelling at him, Crow, slide, slide. And you know, little boys, that's their favorite oh, thing get to do. In dirt. Yes. yes. And slide into base. Even if the ball's, you know, 20 feet away, they're yeah. sliding into that base. Totally. And he wouldn't slide. And then one time he slid and and he went limping, limping back when he got out. And he told me, he said, yeah, mom, I remember in baseball, everyone yelling at me to slide. And I just, I didn't want to do it because I was afraid it would hurt my leg. <laughs> and I had no idea. Wow. For so long, he was protecting his leg. So there was that. There was flag football. Um Not tackle, but one of the kids on the team, <laughs> little brother... <laughs> Who we all know and love very much. He's a husky little guy Mm -hmm. and he tackled crew hard. And, you know, he was just, you know, younger and goofy. And we just, and his dad even said later, like, I can't believe that didn't break his leg. And then, you know, the times he was at the skate park Mm -hmm. dropping those bowls, you know, the, the steep ones. It was, you know, they have like 10 different sizes. And of course, you know, these boys, they want to go down the steepest one. Yeah. So he told me, Mom, I dropped the 10 today. <laughs> You're and, like, great. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I, proud. Oh, my goodness. It was, oh, nothing made me more nervous than sending him there. And anyway, 
he he told me this was after his diagnosis. He said, you know, mom, there was one time I was at the top. I think it was the nine or the 10. So it was one of the big ones because they all they go all the way down to one. And he said, you know, I thought it was my turn. So I, went, I just went over the edge. And right as I went over, I saw that there were two other kids going. And I went, oh, no. We're going to crash. He said, we're, we're yeah. going to crash. And he's like, and, but, but we didn't. He's like, I don't know how we didn't, mom, but we didn't crash. And I thought, wow, there's another miracle. Like we didn't even, we didn't even know, you know, he had angels protecting him yeah. constantly. Um, we were also supposed to be going to uh, Park City two weeks after he had been diagnosed. We had a trip booked and they were going to learn to ski and snowboard for the first time. If this had been brushed off again, I mean, another miracle that he chose to jump off those stairs for his leg to hurt. If that hadn't happened, I am sure it would have happened on the ski slope. Yeah. And that, wait, the leg break, <laughs> a leg break would have meant amputation of the leg. And the location of his tumor was so high that he would have lost his entire leg. The cancer would have spread everywhere. He would have been immediate stage four and they would have had to take everything. Yeah, that's really, really so just, I don't even have words for it. What's the right <laughs> word for that? Incredible, amazing. That, oh my goodness. Yeah, he yeah. had angels watching out yeah. for him. And I, I also think of like all those times that we pray for safety as our kids leave us and uh -huh. whatever. And, or, you know, pray for our family to be safe. And probably how many times they are protected and watched over that we don't realize. Oh, for until sure. Maybe after or maybe never, maybe yeah. in the next life. I don't know. Uh -huh. But so what has this been like for crew? How has this hmm. affected him? This has it's been hard on him. He's still just he's this happy, cute, sweet little self at home. And his it's really developed his sense of humor. Yeah. He's hilarious. <laughs> he's so funny. You know, he's been he's basically been immobile since January. He wasn't allowed to put any weight on his leg because they didn't want his leg to break before surgery. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, of course, after surgery, he's you know, he's just barely starting to walk again. And so there was one time he told he told his older sister, he goes, hey, you know, I left something for you downstairs in the kitchen. Go, go get it. I left you a surprise. It was a surprise. Oh. <laughs> so his sister runs all the way downstairs for, su for surprise. And he looks over to me and he goes, I didn't get her anything. I just wanted to make her go downstairs. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and she goes, crew, when she realizes there's nothing there. And he goes, you know, he has this little monster voice he does. And he goes, got it. And so, you know, I mean, he's, it hasn't been all terrible, but they're definite, it definitely, he definitely hasn't gone unscathed. He, yeah. you know, it's changed his appearance drastically. He's, you know, has no color to his body. And you know, it's from, you know, from the chemo and then from the antibiotics he has to take every weekend for the chemo. And, you know, not really being able to go outside. But he also isn't really allowed to be outside because now he's sun sensitive due to everything. But, you know, he's he's embarrassed of his appearance. He's... He's very selective about who he'll let see him, yeah. which is really hard. You don't think, you know, he's a 10-year-old boy. Like, they throw on a hat and you're fine. But but it's not like that. Every time every time we go out, we've gone to the movies. We'll take him to the mall. He goes, Mom, everybody's looking at me. I said, no, they're, you know, no, they're not, crew. They're just, you're in a wheelchair. Of course, they're going to look at you. They're yeah. looking at me, too. Like, I look at people, you know, but... He, yeah, it's just gotten a lot more self-conscious than he ever was. Because he's used to just being like a carefree little kid yeah. that yeah, oh, yeah. just kind of yeah. lives life obliviously Ex happy. Totally, yeah. totally. And it's it's interesting how this ages them. Oh, I'm sure. Like he's, yeah, he just, he seems so much more grown up to me now. Um, and I keep telling him, I say, you know, crew, this is really going to help you help other kids who who don't you know who feel bad that, that are going through this who feel bad about the way they look or you know you're just going to be able to have so much more compassion for yeah. people you know that are going through stuff that might not look normal yeah so now you know what it's like yeah what like, has helped crew well he has his his little friend that comes over he has a couple little friends that come over pretty regularly and the one friend especially and it just 
he's it's just the cutest kid. He he started when Crew lost his hair, he started coming over in a beanie, matching beanie. Oh. And then when he'd be at our house, he would hop around on one leg <laughs> or use the crutches or the walker, whichever one Crew wasn't using. It's just so cute. So I think just having his friends come over and be light. Yeah. Um you know, his friend told him, he goes, you know, crew, you don't, he's like, I didn't even notice when you lost your hair. And he goes, well, I, d- I look a lot different. His friend's like, I didn't even notice. <laughs> That's awesome. It was just, just the sweetest thing. And I think just, I mean, he's really attached to his family right now. Just having his family close by, he's really, he and his sister, his older sister were always really close. But now, now there's a bond there that... I can't even describe. It's been pretty incredible to see that through <laughs> through the awful and the ugly and the terrible, there are these these things that you just can't can't put a price on, you know? Yeah. This bond that that they have forever. Her helping him and caring for him and you know, getting him things. He's gonna remember that. For sure. Yeah, my next question was going to be, what has this been like for your family? What, How has it changed you guys? I remember that first week grieving for my life as I knew it. I just went, wow, our life is changing forever. Yeah. And, you know, just things as simple as taking my daughter to preschool. That was, that was hard because, you know, um, I can't leave crew alone when he's you know, when he's first home from the hospital, because if he gets a fever, he has to get to the hospital within an hour and get antibiotics. Right. So just so many little things. I just, our freedom, you know, to just, our not our freedom, but just that carefree, like mm-hmm. life as we knew it was over. And I knew it was never going to be the same. Um. So yeah, we've just, we've stayed at home a lot, but it's been nice too. You know, we've, we've had a lot of time together. We watch a lot of movies, played games, and had a lot of swim nights at our house. And it's just, it's just been a slower paced life. You know, one of us always has to be home with crew. So yesterday, my older daughter had a soccer game and my husband took her while I stayed home with him. And, you know, he's kind of at the end of his chemo week. So he usually feels better by this point. And I said, Hey, is it okay if I go to go to Jane's game? And he said, No, mom, I just, I don't want you to leave. Said, okay. And before he would have been like, great. See you later. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. So yeah, just that's what's changed a lot. You know, we don't really get date nights <laughs> very often, few and far between. We have company at our house, like, you know, every, every few weeks while we have long hospital stays. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just, it all of a sudden, sadly, it becomes normal. You know, I mean, I've lost a big part of myself as far as, you know, doing things that I love to do. Yeah. And Corinne's amazing. And she brought, when that time you brought over all the ingredients to make cookies, she said, I'm going to come over and we're going to bake. <laughs> and it was so fun. I may have gained five pounds or 10 from those cookies, but it was so fun. And, you know, things like that, that I used to love doing that I just couldn't pull myself up to do anymore. Because yeah. I was just so tired all the time. Because it's not just, oh, we're at the hospital, you're at the house. And there's just a constant worry and constant wake-ups in the middle of the night. And, you know. Yeah, I can't imagine how emotionally exhausting that has been for you guys. So, but, I mean, I don't know everything, but I have a I have a good feeling that you'll get it back. You'll get, yeah. you know, a lot of those things that you love will come back. You know, yeah. our friend Amanda, who was on this podcast last year for childhood cancer awareness I feel like it's amazing to see Lyndon and her curly long beautiful hair and just running around and she plays with my Annabelle and they just yes it's it's like nothing ever happened to her you know and that's what she told me she's like this will be behind you and it's just it's just gonna seem like did this ever happen and that's what I keep telling crew he says to me so pretty often mom I just I can't believe this happened to me I said, I know, bud, but someday you're going to look back and you're going to go, wow, I can't believe that even happened. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I mean, I'm starting to feel the pull. I mean, for a while, I didn't even have the desire to, you know, leave my house to even, I quit going to the grocery store and just Instacarting everything. (laughs) I quit that too. (laughs) (laughs) But I love going, 
I love going to the store. Oh, Pick out your own avocados. Yes, and, yes, yeah. all, everything. So I'm starting to like feel like that's starting to come back. I'm starting to feel like, okay, maybe I'll get to the gym now. And, you know, just starting to feel some of that burden lifted. Yeah. I feel like when this happens to, or not just this, but when these tragic things or really, really life-altering things happen to people I love, sometimes I feel like I don't know what to do. What has been actually helpful to you? Oh my gosh, so many things. I don't even know where to begin. I think just like the time that you came over to bake with me that got me out of the biggest funk. And obviously like dinners, people bringing dinners by offering to, you know, take the other kids to do stuff. That was all huge. I had so many friends give us gift cards for DoorDash and, you know, meal delivery services, which was amazing. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any of what else. I think just, you know, just knowing that my friends were still there because even times where I could go out, I, I just didn't have it in me to get out and see people and get the questions and, Mm -hmm. you know, so just knowing that my friends were still there and checking on me and, Hey, I'm here and I'm at the store right now. Is there anything you need? You know, just those little things. Yeah. I'm wondering when you go to church or when you go Mm -hmm. to like a soccer game or whatever, is it helpful when people say like, how's crew? What's the update? Or is it better when people were like, just, hey, Amy, it's so good to see you. Well, this is, I mean, it's great because it's like the elephant in the room, you know, it's like, and I get that because I used to be that person. Like, you know, how are they doing? You know, it's, and it's great. I don't mind being asked about him at all. It just, especially, especially when I'm asking so much of people, please pray for him. Please fast for him. Like, and everyone's doing that. I feel like, I owe it to you to let you know, you know, just recur and shake, you know, no, you don't but, know, you don't owe anyone just, anything. You know, I just feel like, no, like I want you to know that it's helping and that what you're yeah. doing and, you know, you've done a but, beautiful job of that though. And I guess for anyone who is listening to this, who may be in this position now or some, someday later, caring bridge is what you guys have yes. used for yes. kind of like your blog or journal or whatever yes. you want to call it. And yeah. it's been so helpful because I feel like I, I'll get a notification that there's a new journal entry and I go and read it and I feel like I know exactly yeah. where you guys are at and, yeah, you know. Well, it was so nice. I was really, it was recommended. I had spoken to an old friend from college who I had, you know, found out that his daughter had had leukemia and, you know, I didn't know, I know Amanda had um, journaled a lot through Instagram and mm-hmm. I'm not really on there that often. So, you know, and I have a lot of, my mom didn't have an Instagram account. So I just, I wanted to, yeah, have somewhere else that I could put everything. And so I reached out and said, you know, what did you guys do? And he said, you know, we use this caring bridge and it's, it was amazing. I would totally use it. I totally highly recommend it. He said, you know, everything we've written, we thought, you know, one day we can print all of this and then Mm -hmm. give it to her, you know, at her wedding or whatever it is. Yeah. And I thought, okay, that's a great idea. So it's been a nice way to be able to keep everybody informed and what's going on and how he's doing. And, and also for him, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't want to remember any of this right now. And not that I just want him someday to look back and see what he went through and how much he overcame and how, how much he was blessed and watched over because I know he's going to forget a lot of it. And I know I will too. I've already forgotten things. And I look back and I go, oh yeah, I remember that. Mm -hmm. But one thing I did want to say, and I didn't know this until, you know, until my child got cancer. One thing I would say to never, ever ask someone is, so what's the prognosis? Like basically, so what's your child's chance of making it? How, or what's their chance that, you know, they're not going to make it? And I just... I would just answer that and I go, oh, oh, he's going to be fine. And my friend, a good friend of mine told me, she said, Amy, you don't have to minimize it to make other people feel better. But those numbers, you know, are scary and you don't, those are always on your mind. Yeah. And, but at the same time, you know, you're trying to push them aside and go, my kid isn't one of these numbers. Every, every child is different. Every story is different. Every location of the tumor, all, everything's always different. And so you're trying to not, at least I was, trying not to 
give those numbers too much power. Yeah. And so for someone to say, oh, so what's the prognosis like? Was don't ever, don't ever ask that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks and if you have, that. don't feel bad. You didn't know, but. <laughs> but now you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, well, and one other thing there was, I had several people tell me stories of others they had known who had the same cancer or a similar cancer and how great they're doing now. Awesome. Like, I personally loved hearing those stories. It was the stories people would tell me like, oh, yeah, I knew someone who had that, but they didn't make it. That's not helpful. Yeah, no. And I just, yeah. yeah. So not, you know, you just, you never know. But it's, and given like those stories weren't told as a way of making me sad, but it was, it was, you know, oh, well, this is what they did. And so you just keep it to yourself. You know, this is what it was. It was done out of love and to try to help. But my goodness. Yeah, I think people get kind of like uncomfortable or awkward in those situations sometimes and they're reaching for a way to connect and make you feel they they want to feel like, oh, I know a little bit about your situation because I knew someone for I don't yeah. know. I yeah. think maybe that's where they're going yeah. with that. But but yeah, that's really good that I'm glad that you're bringing that up because it's not helpful yeah. <laughs> to bring up like, you know, yeah. stories that maybe will plant even more seeds of doubt. That's the last right. thing that you need. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you feel like you, what are some of like the biggest takeaways or learning things that you feel like you've learned through this whole experience with crew? Oh, wow. So many, so many. I've spiritually, I've really learned to rely on my heavenly father. I don't know how people do this without faith. Prayer is way different than it used to be. I actually feel more connected, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Because my prayers had more meaning um, and purpose, I think, than they've ever had. So there's there's that. Just so much. I just, I want people to know it's 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 put something in me that like i i just i feel responsible to to let people know what to look for and to to just empower people because oh my gosh we were so lucky that it hadn't spread and i've just i've heard so many stories of other cancer moms the same thing you know that you know they went to three different doctors and they all brushed them off the parents had to demand an x-ray to find and then that's when they found the tumor. Another friend, their their son, gosh, she took her son to two different urgent cares and an orthopedic. They x-rayed his foot because he was having foot pain and nothing was there. It took another doctor, a podiatrist, who actually really listened. And they he ordered an MRI of the entire leg. And that's when they found the tumor in the fibula. Wow. Which was it was twisted around ligaments and tissue and causing foot pain. But there was nothing wrong with the, there was nothing showing up in the foot. So I think just, it has changed me to, to just, you know, I just want to tell people like what to look for. Like, listen to your gut. Don't stop, you know, and as a mother, you know, now that, you know, now that we're here, it's my joke. Like every time one of my kids complains of their pinky finger hurting, I'm taking them in for an MRI. But I think just to, um, it's really taught me to listen to my kids better yeah. uh, take them more seriously um oh i still feel so guilty that when annabelle's <sighs> appendix partially ruptured uh-huh. she woke up that morning mom my tummy hurts so bad i was like you have a stomach ache uh-huh. you'll be okay uh-huh. lay down uh-huh. read a book take a nap <laughs> and i left to go do a project that day i was like i'll be back in a few hours yeah. you know our nanny was here and i was like you'll be okay yeah and then, you know, that afternoon, just freaking out. I hurt so bad. I hurt so bad. And finally, we were like, okay, fine. We'll get you a so doctor. So dramatic. And then the doctor's like, I think her appendix is about to burst. You need to take her to the ER right now. And I felt so bad. Oh, so listening gosh. to your kids, like you're saying, because sometimes you're like, you're faking it. Yeah. Or you just don't want to well, go to school or right, whatever. Right. Well, and Crew is my kid that had me convinced he needed reading glasses. Because mm. he just thought glasses were cool and he wanted a pair. <laughs> I took him to the optometrist. He fooled everybody. Oh, my gosh. He doesn't need glasses. I mean, he was – gosh, in kindergarten, I got a call probably every other week. Oh, crew has a stomachache. Crew that mm-hmm. – he just wanted to come home yeah. and be with his mom. Yeah. Like, you know, so I was, I was just the parent who was like, you're fine. You're fine. And so 
now, yeah, I'm not that parent anymore. <laughs> but also listening, like mm-hmm. you said, to that intuition or gut yes. feeling or whatever. Because yes. you knew, you said like when you knew it was time to take him to the ER mm-hmm. on that Sunday night, yeah. you knew that it was uh-huh. I more. Kn- yeah, I knew. It just, I can't even explain it. Just this, the strongest impression, like he's he's got to go to the ER tonight. And I just feel like, what if I hadn't listened that mm-hmm. night and that doctor hadn't been there? what would have happened? He probably would have been fine in a day or two and we would have brushed it off again. And then we would have been on the ski slopes. In Park City, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I just think following that intuition, just just listening to that intuition. I mean, if I, you know, and looking back that one night where I saw something online and I just went, oh my gosh, this this could be really serious. But But I went, oh, no, 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 no. That's really rare. That's not yeah. going to happen. I mean, this cancer's 1.7 children in a million, you know, just with Ewing sarcoma, which he has. And so you just think, oh, that's not going to be me. And it probably won't be, but for like the minor, minor chance that it could, you know? Yeah. And I love too that you you have shown that asking more questions and advocating for your child, I feel like you've been yeah. a really good example of that. And some of the things that just completely, can you imagine if you hadn't done that and crew had had the wasabi nose that we yeah. call it yeah. every time? Yeah. How many times has he had chemo? Oh, I can't. This is tomorrow will be round 17. So let's see here. I think he's had eight or nine five-day infusions. So that's around 40 to 45 of those. Can and you then imagine if all of those worth. times? Yeah, I know. I know. And then- and then the one or two day infusions, there's been, you know, 15 of those, you know, just. Yeah. Uh, and how that just changed because you guys, you know, really fought for him to have the best yeah. care possible and, and went out of your way to take him yeah. to the best yes. surgeons that knew exactly yes. what they were doing. And it could have just been totally yeah, different. You I know? think that's so important too, is if you can get to a specialist, I'm so glad we found a specialist in this. And I, you know, and because, you know, these cancers, osteosarcoma, Ewing sarcoma are so rare, you know, there's not very many specialists in them. We happen to live by, you know, within an hour and a half of one. Thank goodness. But um, I just say, if you can't consult with one, see, you know, I mean, those, yeah. I mean, the nurses there just ah, knowing what they, they're just incredible with their knowledge of this. And I mean, crew gets four different medications for nausea before the chemo even begins. Wow. And he's not nauseous. He feels pretty good. As we're getting towards the end, during the infusions, you know, the five-day rounds, he doesn't feel quite as hot as he used to. I mean, he used to eat ribeye steak while he was getting chemo, while it was infusing. You know, this last one, he, you know, he didn't feel quite so, quite so well, well enough for that. But still, he comes home and he recovers pretty quick. And I just think it's because they're so on top of it. Well, and I, you shared with me once too that you guys, you know, were in NorCal just a few years ago and that you feel like even, you know, moving down here was another way that Heavenly yes. Father kind of guided you guys to be within an hour and a half of yes. this surgeon to, because, you know, he knew that crew was going to need that. And yeah. Do you want me to share that story? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that, that's another, I mean, just these miracles and, you know, someone pointed out to me that. They were just put into place mm-hmm. years ago. Like we have been, holy cow, we've been watched over so much. So um, almost four years ago, we moved here from our hometown uh, where my husband and I were both raised. Both of our parents lived there. We loved it there. Love the food there. Love the food there. <laughs> oh, the food's so good um, in the wine country. Um, and anyway, we um, – so we – we hid, it was right after the first fires happened um, in 2017. And my husband just had this strong impression that we needed to move here. He was already commuting here for work um, to Southern California. He had been doing so for about a year and a half. And um, I take that back. It had been a year. Anyway, so one day it just hit him. He said, Amy, I just have the strongest impression. I really feel like we need to move. And we need to move at the first of the year. This was October. And I'm going, you want to move our kids in the middle, middle of the school, of the school year? year? Yeah. 
Oh my goodness. So I said, okay, you know, I went kicking and screaming. I didn't want to leave. We, you know, we had bought our first home. We had just finished fixing it all up. We loved it. Um, we loved our routine there. I had amazing friends that were like family, some that I had, you know, known since high school mm-hmm. and, you know, some newer. And anyway, um, so we came down here and um, and being here, we were in, our, in a ward. Uh, we met, you know, we, we made, you know, lots of new friends. And um, it was one of the friends that we met here that ultimately ended up being the, the contact that got us. That's right. I with the specialist. About that. Yeah. And um, that was a huge key. It was key because we had tried getting in with the specialist and we were told, oh, no, he's booked out for months. You know, we can, you know, we thought months. Well, you know, he would have to continue the treatment he was getting, you know, where we already had him. Um, and then what? We transfer him in the middle of care. And then we knew he had this big surgery coming up. And, um, and the surgery, the the first surgery, the surgery at the first hospital, um, the surgeon wanted to do was, um, it was it was pretty scary. Um, it was not the sur- it was not the surgery that we ended up going with. I don't know that um, they performed that surgery at that hospital, the one that crew ultimately had. But um, it was all these surgeries have uh, food names. This one was the lollipop method. Oh my gosh! Where they completely completely remove the femur, the femoral head. And they take the fibula and stick that up there, hoping that it eventually, the top of it forms into a femoral head. As, yeah, I mean, he would have been in a wheelchair for years. It was, there could have been complications with how much of the fibula they were removing. I mean, it was, it was scary. So um, we did not, we were, we were sick over that. And, um, well, my husband especially, um, just, you know, having been a little boy who had played sports and so excited to watch his little boy play. Anyway, so we, um, these friends of ours had this contact and said, Hey, you know, she's, you know, she's really connected and, you know, she can, she get you in to pretty much, you know, anywhere. We said, okay, great. Give us her info. And, um, sure enough, she got us into that doctor that week and we had his care transferred and, you know, um, we met with the when we met with that oncologist uh, who specializes in this cancer. We also met with um, the orthopedic surgeon on his team who told mm-hmm. us this is the surgery I would give him, and we just knew right then. Okay, this is where he needs to be. Yeah, and mm-hmm. like Heavenly Father lined all of that lined up for all you guys. it up years ago. And I, my friend, a friend of mine said to me, she goes, "And here you thought you were moving down there to see Adam more, <laughs> and, you know? It ended up being a life and limb saving, you know." event for crew. I mean, yeah. that's, that was our whole purpose in moving here. I mean, amongst many other things, but I just feel and like- And you and me becoming yes, friends. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Amy, this has just been so incredible. And I feel really, really grateful that you would share these really tender things with me and my audience. And I'm sure that it will help a lot of people who either they will go through this or they'll know someone most likely who's close to them, who will go yeah. through- um, having a child who has cancer. So last question for you, if there's one message that you want people to remember from this interview, what do you want that message to be? Um, well, when times, when times get hard, turn to God, turn to God with all you've got. Don't be afraid to ask for help, especially for your children. Um, and if you are, if you know someone if your child, the grandchild, a friend's child is having complaining of pain consistently for more than a couple of weeks, please, please urge them to get it x-rayed and not, not to let them, not to let them be brushed aside. Just tell them, just, you need an x-ray, just get x-rays on the child. Um, over 80% of these are at advanced stages because at diagnosis because they're, they mimic sports injuries and growing pains. And I think that's just what I want these parents and everyone to know. Just don't be brushed aside. Well, thanks so much, Amy, for sharing these really tender stories. And, and I have found it so inspiring to be your friend and to just 
watch you guys go through this and be, you know, be really centered on your faith. It has strengthened mine. And every time you share, I, I'm sure you just feel like, oh, I don't know if this will, you know, affect anyone or whatever, but it has affected me so much to just watch your faith work and watch you have the faith to ask other people to help, you know, have collective faith and how that is, has been such a gift. So thank you for this and for everything. And, you know, for sweet crew, we love him so much and we're excited for him to finally cross the finish line and and move on (laughs) to bigger, better things. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.